All right, so I missed you guys last week. We were at Cornerstone, um, speaking for a moment and then selling tacos. Everything went well. Evan will give a, a brief update and then some news as we finish the service about La Luz coming up October 12th through 14th. All right, so it is coming. Uh, be prepared for that. I've got on the screen Hebrews 4, 12 through 16. Uh, this is where we've been. Okay, so you guys can read that as I kind of share. I just want us to stop. It's been a few weeks since we've been in Hebrews. But I want us to just briefly review. And this idea that we're being brought by Jesus, right? He came and he rescued us. He freed us from slavery. And we're being brought by Jesus to glory. He's bringing us to the majesty on high. And then we began that by faith. We begin our salvation by faith. And we continue our salvation by faith. And then we will finish our salvation by faith. And we do that together. We do that together as a body, as a family, listening to Jesus, believing Jesus, fixing our thoughts on Jesus as we continue being brought to glory. Okay, that's the process that we're in. And as we do that, we hold to this word that God has given us. By faith, we believe that word and we respond to it and continue on. But at the same time, that word... As we saw in this passage, it shows us the thoughts and the intentions of our hearts. We are made vulnerable before the Word, and we see that we are helpless. I'm unable to help myself. You're unable to help yourself. We're unable to help each other. And so we need help outside of ourselves, because that's the condition in which we go before God, helpless. We need a helper, and God has given us a great helper. He's given us Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ will be there with us. He will stand with us. And He will speak for us before God. We don't need to say anything else except Jesus. He will do the talking for us. He's the insider, as we talked about before. And we are following Him to glory. He's ascended in heaven. He's walked through this mess. He's walked through life. He walked through difficulty. He walked through suffering. He's been down this path that we're walking through right now. He's been there. He's done that. And He is bringing us through that. And He did not sin, Hebrews has said. As He walked through that, He did not turn from God, but He continued on by faith, trusting God, trusting His Word. And He calls us to do the same. And so the last time we talked about that we claim Him, right? We claim who Jesus is, and then we follow Jesus. We claim Him and we follow Him as we approach the throne of God. As we come before the throne, He is going to be with us. He came to be with us, and as we go before God, we get to be with Him. Okay? That's what's occurred, that's where we're going, that's a, bit, a brief summary of Hebrews to remind you where we've been. And if you remember at the end of chapter 4, we, we saw this term high priest. And so I have a question for everyone. Has anyone here ever seen in person a high priest? Has anyone ever met a high priest? What? No. 
Don't listen to Jake. No one, yeah, I'm one step up, right? <laughs> Anyone he's seen a high priest? Anyone met a high priest? Spent time with a high priest? Thank you. Right? We have. We've seen a high priest. We've met with a high priest. We have a relationship with a high priest. Hebrews tell us that Jesus is our great high priest. That's why we need to study. That's why we need to understand what in the world is a high priest. And what does it mean that Jesus, he doesn't just represent a high priest. He's not like a high priest. It says that Jesus is our great high priest. And you might think, Brit, well, this really doesn't apply to our context. This doesn't apply to our time. But God says, Jesus is a high priest. And if we want to know Jesus, then we should understand just exactly what does it mean that he's a high priest. We want to understand Jesus, then we need to understand that. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at chapter 5. Right now, let's read 1 through 4, and then we'll move to verse 5 through 6, where we're going to really focus on. But let's read 1 through 4 now, as this gives an example of the priesthood then. Okay? A practical, tangible example as it explains the priesthood historically and contextually uh, there in Israel. Chapter 5, verse 1 through 4. I'll read that first in English and then Grace in Spanish. It says, Every high priest is chosen from among the people. He is appointed to act for the people. He acts for them in whatever has to do with God. He offers gifts and sacrifices for their sins. Again, remember this is talking about the people, talking about the high priest, not Jesus. Verse 2, some people have gone astray without knowing it. He is able to deal gently with them. He can do that because he himself is weak. That's why he has to offer sacrifices for his own sins. He must also do it for the sins of the people. And no one can take this honor for himself. Instead, he receives it when he is appointed by God. That is just how it was for Aaron. So then... The high priest was selected, was chosen, was appointed by God. Okay? God alone has that authority. God alone has that right to select the high priest. There was not a vote. There was not an election among the people to determine who was going to be the high priest. The high priest was selected by God. And it says that that honor or that role, it was not taken. Okay? Someone did not go after that role, but it was actually received from God according to His will. Okay? God was the one in charge. God was the one that set it up. God was the one that brought someone into that position, into that role. And that individual was chosen, it says, from among the people. Okay? Out from the people, and specifically out of this line or this family of Aaron, God would select a high priest. And they would be appointed. And they were not just appointed to the position, but they were appointed to act. Okay? They were in this role, not just to be in this place, not just to be in this position, but to actually act, to actually carry out that role. They were to act for the people, on behalf of the people before God. That was the role of the high priest. They were to make right the relationship with God, and they were to keep right this relationship with God. Okay? That's the overall function of the high priest. Because the relationships then, our relationships now, are broken. We're broken because of sin. And the high priest offered 
sacrifices to make right that relationship. The high priest offered gifts to keep that relationship right with God. And it says that the high priest then, because he was selected from among the people, he shared the weaknesses with the people. He was an individual. He was human. He had weaknesses. And so it says that he had to offer these sacrifices and gifts, not just for the people, but then also for himself. So that's the position that the high priest was in, and that's the action of the high priest. That was then. But what about now? Okay. What about Jesus? And as we look, Hebrews 5 then moves on to saying, it was the same for Christ. It gives us the explanation. It describes the, the high priest, the function, the role, the position. And then it says, it was the same for Jesus. Okay, so as we consider all those things that I just reviewed, what we're going to do is see over the next two weeks how those things are true about Jesus. We're going to walk through, and it actually points back to 1 through 4, and we can get a better understanding of what that means as it's fulfilled, as it's fully demonstrated in Jesus. And so I want to encourage you, because you might be thinking, we're going to learn about the high priest. This sounds kind of boring. This sounds kind of like history class. Okay. But if we're going to claim Jesus, right, like we talked about a couple weeks ago, if we're going to continue by faith with Jesus, then we need to embrace him and we need to understand this role of high priest. God says that's who Jesus is. Jesus says, I am the great high priest. It's not ancient, it's not old, it's not outdated. But it is a way that we understand Jesus. Okay? He was our high priest. He, he is our high priest now. And forever, Jesus will be our high priest. If Jesus was, is, and will be our high priest, then shouldn't we understand what it means for him to be our high priest? We need to know Jesus. We need to know who he says he is. Who he describes that he is in his word. The other night at the men's retreat, I got there a few minutes earlier. And in the Browns' backyard, it was getting dark. And there, you know, you have to put a towel down because it's mostly dirt in their backyard. But I laid down in this towel. Most of the guys weren't there. And I'm looking up, and I'm thinking, and I'm waiting. Just processing through what's going to happen. And all of a sudden, I see this beautiful Oaxacan face staring at me. <laughs> it was Sergio. I said, Sergio, lay with me. All right? And that make, might make some of you guys feel uncomfortable. This is men's retreat. What happens at men's retreat stays at men's retreat. All right? So Sergio lays with me, and of course, I've got my arm around him. And like, Sergio, lay here with me, let's look at the stars and let's dream together. And I started to ask Sergio, I said, I've got this opportunity, it's me and Sergio on a beach towel. Like, I've never had this opportunity, I'm like, what do I want to talk to Sergio about? And it hit me, I'm like, I want to know about Sergio. I, I, I just... When was the last time I stopped and I asked him questions about himself? And I started to ask him questions about 
Oaxaca. I started asking questions about his mom, about the meals she would make, about the food that he enjoyed, about what they did in the fields, about what a day in the life was like growing up in his family, about what it was like to cross the border, about what it's been like to be here as an immigrant that lives amongst us, that is a part of our body. What is that like? Tell me your story. Tell me who you are. I want to hear directly from you. And I have so much to learn. We have so much to learn from each other as we listen to each other's stories, as we listen to how God has been involved in our lives and what He has done. He, he can bring to me and give to me things that I can never know on my own. And yet I listen to that and I have a completely different perspective, even now after those 15 minutes of hearing other pieces of Sergio's story. Now, it was hard to lay there with Sergio in our conversation. You might think it was just hard for two men to lay there. That was not the case, okay? It was hard because we were communicating in Spanglish. Right? It was broken English, broken Spanish, back and forth. Some things needed to be repeated. Some things, I'm like, I didn't quite get that. Let's, let's go again. I need to clarify. I need to hear from him. Ask him more questions because that's what the conversation looked like. If I wanted to actually understand what he was saying, then I was going to be involved and I was going to ask questions and need clarification. Now instead of that, I could turn on the news, I could talk to my friends, and I could say, what do you know about Mexican immigrants from Oaxaca? You tell me. I could listen to the news and see what the news tells me about immigrants from Mexico. I could listen to Donald Trump. What does he tell me about immigrants from Mexico? Okay, there's all these opinions, all these explanations about who Sergio is. But I wanted to ask Sergio. I know Sergio better because I asked him. I heard what he told me and what he wanted to say about himself. Because nobody knows Sergio's story better than Sergio. So I want you to think. Do you lay on the beach towel with Jesus. I want to know who you are. I want to hear what you say about yourself. I want to spend time with you. I want to listen to you. And I might not understand it at first as you talk to me, but I'm going to ask more questions and I'm going to seek clarification. And I'm going to keep coming back and we can continue to talk and my understanding will grow and I'll know you more and more and more. I'll know you more deeply, Jesus. Or I could listen to the world. Or I could talk to my friends who have a relationship with Jesus and see what they tell me about Jesus. Right? But the best place that I could go is I can come and spend that time with Jesus myself and I can listen to Him and hear from Him and I can become where I know Him. I know all about Him. I've heard directly from Him what He says about Himself. Not what others say about Him. And so I want... This slide won't work the way I, I hoped. Because, can you go back one time? Don't. I want you to get a vision in your mind. How do you see Jesus? Okay? How do you see Jesus in your mind? If you know Him, if you know things about Him, what is it? How do you picture Jesus? I want to walk you through. Because when we don't know something, what do you do? When you need information, where do you go? Google. Right? You go to the internet. Last night, I got on Google. And I searched images of Jesus. Okay? 
What does the world say? What does Google say about Jesus? Okay? And these are going to come up one at a time. I'm going to walk you through this, okay? But try and just follow me one picture at a time. If you can see this. Okay. In the top left corner, okay? That's the Jesus. Sergio, will you turn the lights? In the top left corner, that's the first Jesus this boy from Georgia ever remembers seeing. I remember it was in my great-grandfather's house. There was this picture of Jesus. He was a preacher. And I remember this picture of Jesus. I remember staring there and looking at it and just considering, like, what was this Jesus like? Okay, That was the picture I saw. And then I saw that picture in other places. And then talking to Grace this morning, she's like, oh, I've seen that Jesus in South America. The same Jesus. He's all over the world. As I got a little older, it became confusing to me. Because the next Jesus, I'm like, obviously Jesus is American. Obviously Jesus loves the USA. Obviously Jesus is a citizen of the United States. Right? Anybody ever been confused about that? That, that was my confusion growing up here as a, as a kid in, in middle school. But then I got a little older. Right? High school. Then it was touchdown Jesus. Okay? He, he's standing there. He's got the Lombardi trophy, the Super Bowl trophy in one hand, the football in the other. Because in the South, we start church, you know, the football starts before church is over. And you got to hurry and leave church so you can get to see the game. And there was always this tension. And, you know, Jesus loves football, too. And it's okay that we would, you know, maybe sometimes not come to church because we can watch football or sometimes leave church early so we can catch the kickoff, all those things. But, you know, if Jesus loves football, then it's okay. I'm just telling you what a 14-year-old boy thought. And then I get a little older, and everybody tells me that Jesus is a Republican. <laughs> Jesus is not a Republican. Okay? I promise you he's not a Republican. Jesus is not a Democrat. Okay? But everybody told me, and that's what I understood. Well, he's an American. He's, he loves the USA. And if he loves the USA, then of course he's a Republican. Okay? That's what I saw. That's what I believe. That's the image of Jesus that was made known to me. But I got into college and I got smarter. Right? Jesus is for you, Brit. Jesus is with you, Brit. That's like self-esteem Jesus. Brit, you can do it. Jesus is with you. Right? Jesus is cool. Anybody relate to that? But now I know the true Jesus, right, with a sombrero. I'm just kidding. But do you guys get the point? We have all these different understandings of Jesus. We have all these different pictures of Jesus based on what others have told us, based on the media, based on how I want to see Jesus, based on how you want to see Jesus. I don't really know or don't really like the Jesus that I see in scriptures, and so I'm going to make a Jesus that fits me. A Jesus that's comfortable for me. A Jesus that won't ask too much of me. A Jesus that works with my life. And all of us, you, me, all of us, we have to some extent made a Jesus that's based on our preferences. Based on our perspective. And so as we 
continue today, my heart is that we would look at Jesus as he has communicated himself. We would know Jesus as he describes himself in and through his word. What has he said about himself? Not what do others say about him, but what does Jesus say? And that we would desire to know him more and more. That we would stop now, that we would stop throughout the week to actually consider and ask Jesus questions, to spend time with him and say, who are you? Make yourself known to me. Show yourself to me. I want to learn about you. I want to understand you. If I want a relationship with you, then I'm going to spend time with you. I'm going to understand more and more and more about you. Through the Holy Spirit, God's Word makes Jesus known. And in this book, Hebrews, in this letter, remember at the beginning? In this age, right, God has spoken to us through His Son. The Word became flesh. We've seen Jesus. And it's very clear now as we continue in Hebrews that Jesus is and describes Himself as the great high priest. And not just the great high priest, but our great high priest. That's who I am, Jesus says. I am the great high priest. And we need to know Him that way. It's not just an illustration, guys. Okay? It's not Jesus is like a high priest. Jesus is our high priest. This is not just biblical knowledge. This is not historical knowledge. This is information to know Jesus more. And if you look at the redemptive plan, if you look at the story of God, you'll see that this priesthood is in place. God put it in place. God determined it to be there because Jesus was going to be our great high priest. Okay? God didn't get to this point in history and says, oh, what, 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 what can I refer and make Jesus look, look like? What, what, how can I relate Jesus? Oh, there's the priesthood. I'll say Jesus is a great high priest. Okay? It's the opposite. It's the other way around. God put in place the priesthood so he could say, look, look, you need a priest. You need the great high priest. I'm giving you Jesus. Okay? It's not a reaction. This is God's plan. This is his design. And so we need to understand him that way. So let me read verse 5. It says, every, whoops, it says, it was the same for Christ. He did not take for himself the glory of becoming a high priest, but God said to him, said to Jesus, you are my son. Today I have become your father. In the same way as the high priest, Jesus did not take or work. He was not elected to his position, but he received it from God, from God the Father. The Father chose Jesus, not from the people, but the Father chose Jesus from among the community of God. And what I mean by that is there's a Father, there's a Son, there's a Holy Spirit. And God the Father says, in my authority, I'm choosing you, I'm, I'm putting you, I'm appointing you, my Son, to be in this position. And Jesus of equal value, of equal worth with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit says, I'm going to submit and I'm going to serve in this role. I'm going to become, I am the great high priest. Jesus didn't go for it. He didn't take it. God gave it, gave it to him and Jesus received it. And so, fully God, Jesus as the Son, 
in humility submitted to the role of high priest and he became fully human to represent us to God and to represent God to us. Our relationship with God was broken because of sin, but Jesus took the role of great high priest as the only one, the only one, the only one that could represent both us completely and God completely. The only one, the great high priest. And I want us to understand, if there's no high priest, if there's no great high priest, then we don't, we can't approach God. No high priest, no relationship with God. No high priest, no reconciliation with God. Does that make sense? We need a third person. And if you think about it, I went to a wedding last night. There's another wedding coming up next week for Ismael and Isabel. What was required at each of those weddings? There was a bride, there was a groom. But last night and next week, there's going to be a third person involved. Two people cannot get married, two separate people that are apart, right? They cannot come together and be married without the involvement of a third person, okay? If you, you're getting married, you go to the courthouse, you need a judge, okay? You can't just say, we're married, and you're married. You need a third person to intercede on your behalf. Next Sunday, I'm going to stand there before them and serve as that third person that represents God, that represents the government and says, now you've come together as two. You were separate, but now you're one. What was apart has now been brought together. That cannot happen without a third person. Can we go before God without a third person? We desperately need a high priest. We need someone else. We need Jesus. And we needed Jesus and we still need Jesus. We, God has intervened. Jesus has come. But yet Jesus continues to intercede on our behalf. As we approach the throne, the only way we can stand there is as Jesus stands there with us. We're in desperate need of a high priest. And Jesus has met that need. We were helpless and God has become our help to restore our relationship with Him. So the role of high priest is pretty important. The role of high priest is needed. And God appointed Jesus in that role. But He has not just appointed Jesus as the unique high priest, the one, the only, to stand there before us or before God. But he has appointed him into that position forever. It's an eternal appointment. Jesus is now the high priest. Jesus will forever be the high priest. The reason we haven't seen any high priest is because there's no longer a need for other high priests because we have one high priest that stands there with us, that stands before us, that represents us to God. 
if you look in verse 6, it says, In another place, God said, You are a priest forever. So God is putting him in this position, but now he's in this position forever. Jesus was not appointed as high priest for a moment in time. He didn't come. He didn't live his life. He didn't die on the cross. He wasn't resurrected and then removed from that place. He's still in the role. He's still in the place. He's still our high priest. And we need Jesus. We still need Jesus. And we will continue to need Jesus in that role. He was placed in that role in eternity past. And he'll remain in that role for eternity future. It's important that we understand that role. It's an eternal appointment. And the only thing I can think of close to that in our culture, in our context, is a Supreme Court justice. As we're going to have an election soon, we're going to elect a president, we're going to elect congressmen, representatives, senators, right? Those are elected individuals for a period of time. And then they have to go for re-election for an additional term. But a Supreme Court judge is appointed by the president and then is approved by the Congress. And once that occurs, once that appointment is in place, it's lifetime. It doesn't change. They don't have to go through re-election. They don't have to be reappointed. It's for the lifetime of the judge. And the reason for that is that, in theory, they're not impacted by politics. They're not impacted or influenced by re-election and the need to be re-elected. They just intercede on behalf of the people and behalf of the government, on behalf of the people and on behalf of the Constitution, interceding on behalf. Jesus was appointed by the Father in an eternal position to intercede for us. And we need that intercession to continue by faith. He's in the position of high priest because we remain helpless. Do you guys believe that we're still helpless? I believed I was helpless. And so I began, started my salvation. I received Christ. I wanted to follow Him because I was helpless. I knew that I could not cover my sin. I could not meet God's standards. I could not reconcile this relationship with God. But then we go from that place of feeling helpless, needing Jesus, to, all right, I got Jesus. Here I go. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to go really hard. And when I get in a desperate situation, then I'll cry out for Jesus. Then I'll come back for the help that I need. But I don't really need the same help now that the, of the help that I needed then. Has anyone experienced that? Right? We were desperate. We were helpless. But we get to this place and now we don't need Him anymore? We're not in a place of helplessness? And yet everything I read, everything I understand says that we still are in this place of helplessness. 
And so we still need this high priest. And the reason we don't really care about Jesus being a high priest is because Jesus has already been my high priest and now I'm on this salvation and I'm going to the throne and we don't realize that we still need a high priest because we don't believe that we're still helpless. We have to believe that we're helpless and then we will run to God, then we will seek Him, then we'll come to His throne of grace because we need Him. The gospel is not that we were helpless. We don't get Jesus and then move on in our own strength. The gospel is that we were helpless, we are helpless, and we will forever be helpless because we are forever dependent on Jesus Christ. We enter this throne by what? By grace. Not by what we've done, by what He's done. And the only way we start that, and the only way we continue that, and the only way we finish that is by grace because I and you, we're completely helpless. And if we believe that, if we actually admitted that, if we continue with that understanding, then we would run to Jesus for help. We would need a high priest. And we would understand, what does it mean that you're my high priest? Because I'm helpless. I need someone to intercede. I need someone to stand between me and God and continue to be there between me and God. It's not something that ends. It's not something that start, stops. So do you regularly come to a place of helplessness? Regularly. You say, well, how do I know that? How can I tell? Do you go to Jesus for help? Do you cry out to Jesus for help? Have you cried out to Jesus for help this week? Have you, have you spent that time with Him? Have you asked Him to intercede? Have you asked Him and thanked Him for what He's doing and that He is helping you right now and you need His help and you're desperate for His help? Because if you haven't, if you haven't in this past week, if you haven't been in that place where you desperately needed Jesus to help you, then you're not in a place of helplessness. Or either you're taking your helplessness and you're going somewhere else and you're looking for help from places that are not going to give you help. Jesus says, I'm here. I'm the great helper. I'm the high priest. Come to me and I'll help you. You still need me. Do you depend on him? Or do you, or do you depend on yourself? Ask yourself, who do I depend on? Where do I go for my help? Because pride is relying on yourself. Humility means that we return to Jesus again and again and again and again. When we're in need of help, which is consistently, which is all the time, then we return to Jesus, return to Jesus, return to Jesus. That's what humility looks like. That's what it looks like to know and to come before our great high priest. So God put him in this position as our great high priest and he put him in that position forever. It's eternal. But I don't want us to limit it to that because that's not what's communicated here. That's true. Everything that I said is true. That God is serving us in that role of high priest. He's helping us. But as you go on, He's not just in this position of service, but He's also in a position of authority, in a position of rule as the great high priest. And if we leave that off, then we don't understand Jesus fully as the great high priest. Look at verse 6 as it continues on. It says, you are a priest forever. And then it says, just like 
Melchizedek. Jesus is a priest forever, just like Melchizedek. Now we need to ask some questions of Jesus to understand that. Does anyone know? Can anyone explain here Melchizedek? Just a few. Just a couple. I mean, it says here Jesus, he's a priest like Melchizedek. But none of us know who Melchizedek is. How can we know that Jesus was like him? And what does that mean? And do we even care? How can all of us, I mean, I wonder how many years of following Christ, of being in His Word is here, and this many of us even have an understanding of who and what Melchizedek is and what that means about Jesus. But Jesus is like Him. I had to study. Okay? Confessions of the pastor. Melchizedek is only mentioned very briefly two times in the Bible outside of Hebrews. Okay? In Genesis 14 and in Psalms 110. We will consider Melchizedek much more in chapter 7. But it's interesting. You look for sermons online, Hebrews chapter 7. There's not that many. Nobody wants to talk about Melchizedek. But we're going to talk about him when we get there, I promise. But for now, what I want you to know is that Melchizedek, he was the only example of a priest that was also a king. A king that was also a priest. Okay? Every other example of a priest or of the high priest specifically were two separate people, two separate positions. The priest served, as we've been looking at, we've been talking about Jesus, but the king ruled. The priest served the people, the king ruled the people, and the positions were never combined except in this example of Melchizedek. And here we see that Jesus, he's like this priesthood. It's the same, but he's not of this line or of this priesthood of Aaron, like what we saw the Israelites. He is like this priesthood of Melchizedek. Jesus was placed by God into an eternal position of both service to us and rule over us. He was the priest and he was the king combined in one. That's what it means when it says that Jesus was a great high priest like Melchizedek. And, eternity, and for eternity he will serve and he will rule in that position. If we're going to claim Jesus, like we talked about a few weeks ago, we need to claim him not from our perspective, not from our own understanding of him, not from the Jesus that we've made up, not from what it means in the world, not what the media has told us, not what even other Christians have told us. We need to understand and we need to proclaim Jesus as Jesus has proclaimed himself. And he says, I am the great high priest. And if we want to do that, then we will understand him as someone who forever serves on our behalf and someone who forever rules on God's behalf before us. That's his role. Does that match the vision of Jesus that you had at the beginning? When you considered Jesus 
Was he this great high priest that you were desperate for? That you were helpless and he is the great helper, that you were in need of him? But not only there to serve you and to reconcile you to God, but he is there as authority, as ruler, as king. He's both those things as our great high priest. And we have to see him as both. And this morning is just to consider that. Is that we would start to change our perspective. We'd start to actually understand, well, which Jesus do I have a vision of? And is that Jesus, the same Jesus that has been communicated through God's Word? I want us to understand Jesus as He's been communicated in His Word. And to help you as we finish, to, to wrap your head around that, when you think of Jesus as His great high priest who serves us and who rules us, Jesus is our Savior and Jesus is our Lord. It's that simple. That's who Jesus is. That's His role as great high priest. He's, he's our He's our Savior. He's sacrificed for her. He's made offerings for us. And now He's in authority. He's over us. He's in charge. He's the King. We serve Him in return. And we can't separate the two. He must be both Savior and Lord. So next week, we will start to look at what it means to follow Him. A little more action. A little more actual, tangibly, okay, we've got this picture of Jesus as great high priest. Now what does it mean to follow Him as great high priest? What does it mean not just to claim Him, but to actually follow Him in this role, in this position of great high priest? So that's next week. We'll look at chapter 5, verse 7 through 9. Let me pray, and then we'll finish. Father God, I pray that this would not just be information. This would not just be knowledge. But God, we would realize that this is what you tell us about yourself. Jesus, you are not like a great high priest. You are our great high priest. Lord, I help. I ask that you would help us to let go of our preferences, let go of our perspectives of you that are not from your word. Lord, that we wouldn't just push past this and look for something easier to understand or something easier to read in your word, but that this is who you say you are. And if we want a relationship with you and if we want to continue in that relationship with you and grow to know you more, then we would ask you questions. We would seek to understand you as our great high priest. God, I pray that we would reflect on this together. I pray that we would discuss this together. I pray that we would repent and we would turn from visions of you, Jesus, images of you that are not biblical. And that we would believe who you say you are. 
and we would trust you. And by faith, we would continue. God, give us faith to continue. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for our great helper, for our great high priest. God, convince us that we are helpless. Convince us that we are in desperate need. Convince us that we have nowhere else to go but you, Jesus. And that you are enough. And that you are there. And you will continue to be there. And Lord, that we may approach your throne with confidence. And that we may look forward to that day when we stand with you in glory. With the majesty on high. And you will speak for us. And you will represent us fully. Thank you, Jesus, for being our great high priest. In Jesus' name. Amen.